This episode is brought to you by Verizon. Get a Verizon Business Unlimited plan from the network businesses rely on. Hey, Monica, with 5G Ultra Wideband in many more cities, you get up to 10 times the speed at no extra cost. Hello, downloads in no time. Plus, unlimited premium data and hotspot data to keep the signal flowing and your teams going. Come in or book an appointment with a Verizon business expert to find the right plan for your team. 5G Ultra Wideband available in over 1,700 cities with Business Unlimited Pro 2.0 smartphone plan. Speed comparison is to median Verizon 4G LTE speeds. Download speeds may vary depending upon network and coverage conditions and content optimization for 5G Ultra Wideband. Sure, we have 30 seconds to tell you that drivers who switch to Progressive could save big. But then what? Well, we could try to fill the remaining time with awkward pauses. It's often done for comedic effect. Is it working? I can't tell if this is funny. Maybe this is so bad it's funny. Wow, we really peaked at the save big when you switched to Progressive part. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. Welcome to the Benzinga Cannabis Hour. There are more people who are in favor of legalization. I saw the benefits of it for myself. have to ask was there pot pasta in that cannabis cookbook oh, it was gorgeous there was pot pasta they were we were talking about cannabis pasta that opened my eyes to the cannabis industry is this new industry where now billions of dollars are being made we're here to bring cannabis into culture And we're back, my friend. We are back. Welcome, 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 everyone. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm great. I'm great. How are you? How is life down in, in Argentina these days, my friend? It's, it's going pretty well. I can't complain. How have you been? Uh, you know, for, for people watching who don't know, uh, I don't know if you, you said this on Tuesday. I believe you didn't. Patrick, uh, Patrick's birthday was last weekend. Oh. So please drop oh. a happy birthday in the chat. Big trouble, you. Can you big, tell us big how, trouble. How much was it? Like, <laughs> how much? How old am I? I am thirty-five, and it feels like seventy in in uh, cannabis years and Benzinga years. So, um, and, and you may know, I'm in Benzinga HQ today. Normally, Jason sits here when he's doing his thing, um, and, and some of the other guys do. And I got to tell you, I've been. I, I took it off for this because I wanted to look more professional, but I've been wearing hoodies all day because Jason <laughs> keeps it at 45 degrees in this office. <laughs> it is so cold. No wonder all these guys on these shows are constantly so energetic. They have to move or their blood's going to freeze. That's how cold it is in here. So well, now, you know, if you don't know, now, you know, now, you know, now, let me ask you something. Isn't our one year anniversary also coming up? We it is. It. Yeah. When is it? I, you know, it's a good question. We should ask Aaron Thomas. We should ask Aaron Thomas. Maybe he'll know. But it was a summertime last year when we began this venture and we started hosting these shows. This adventure. Yeah. Ooh, ooh. And, it, and it has been. Well, listen, we, we have some really fun things happening today, Javi. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if you want to go over who our guests are and then maybe cover a little bit of what's going on in the world today. We have three guests today. Uh, first, we'll be chatting with Jessica Billingsley. CEO of a Kern Corporation, that's Kern on the NASDAQ, K-E-R-N, and Amy Provost, who is Vice President of Services at Viridian Sciences, a company that was recently acquired by a Kern. They'll be joining us together to talk about the merger, so stay on, especially if you're a Kern investor, if you're interested in a Kern stock. Um, you know, very, very, very interesting play on cannabis, non-touching, uh, you know, non-plant touching, uh, one of the first companies listed on the NASDAQ, first women-led cannabis company listed on the NASDAQ, it's no small feat. And after that, we have Anthony Tennyson, who's the CEO of Awaken, uh, another company that recently went public. It's a psychedelics company, right? Uh, and it went public on the NEO under the ticker AWKN. Yeah, very, very exciting stuff. Uh, some, of, some of my favorite quotes in this industry have come from Jessica. And, and I, I think over the, over the couple of years that we've, we've known her and we've seen her speak uh, live on our shows and at our conferences, right, 
you can you can tell that there is a lot a lot going on with this company a lot of really cool things happening so always always i mean always. and i remember the whole process of them going public right like yes. the pre go public and then after they went public and just like the the, the whole process was was complicated and and I, i'm sure stressful at times and and you know the nasdaq wasn't really familiar with cannabis companies at the time right nowadays we no. say like you know, NASDAQ, cannabis, oh yeah, canopy growth, Afria, Aurora, everyone is on the, on the NASDAQ. Well, guess what? When they listed, when a kernel listed, this wasn't a regular thing to do, right? So right. I'm You're sure right. there were lots of hoops to jump through and we'll ask Jessica about it. But before that, let's talk about some other uh, NASDAQ listed cannabis companies. Life let's canopy do it. growth, canopy yeah. growth, it's CGC on the NASDAQ. They finally merged with the Supreme Cannabis Company uh, wrapping up their previously announced deal last Wednesday, under the terms of, terms of the agreement, Canopy issued roughly 9 million shares and paid around $84 million in cash. Uh, for reference, uh, CGC is currently trading a little bit under $25 US dollars on the NASDAQ. Uh, so, you know, 25 times 9 million shares plus 84 was a, an elevated price. What do you think? Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on the on the overall price? I mean, I like the transaction. I don't know if the price tag was right or not. Uh, I'm not one to judge, but if you're in the chat, drop a one if you thought the price tag made sense. Two, if you think Canopy overpaid for Supreme. Would I, yeah, I would. I would love to hear your thoughts. So, so definitely, if you guys in the chat wouldn't mind indulging us. Uh, one, if you like it, what is it? One, if you like it Two, if you, if you think it's a bit much, uh, in terms of, of price tag there, what about, what about AFCG? Massive, massive. They, they, so they, they're raising, right? Uh, and yeah. I, I saw that yesterday. So AFC Gamma, it's, uh, they, they debut on the NASDAQ again, recently AFCG. Yeah. I don't want to mess that one up. It's a cannabis focused mortgage REIT. And they're raising $56.4 million just months after their NASDAQ debut. Uh, and the book runners were Jeffries, Cowan, and JMP Securities. Uh, wow. So, yeah. Wow. What do you make of that? Uh, so I'm excited by it. I'm excited. And I think I've heard rumblings. There's a few more, uh, at least two that I know of, REITs that are going public soon, right? Um, especially in this space. So I think it's interesting uh, timing. Are any, any of these news public? Is it something we can tell our audience? I, 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 I don't feel comfortable saying it right now, but but I, I do know for a fact that it's happening. So I will say this. I think it's interesting timing. I also think that when that news comes out, you probably won't be surprised who it is. Um, but, but I think it's this space seems to be heating up, which is interesting, right? I think maybe towards the beginning of the year, everybody thought, all right, the new administration, access to banking, uh, and traditional means of raising capital, maybe some of these rates and those companies and these REITs might not be as necessary, right? And I think maybe we're seeing it's a bit of a longer play now. Yeah. And I think we have time, like three more minutes. So maybe some trivial news. Did you see Conan O'Brien lighting up a joint live on national television? I, I, okay, so listen, I'm, I'm <laughs> old, married, and have kids. So, no, I did not see it. I was not awake at that point. I mean, you not. But, <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, but like, did you see him after the fact? I did. Of course, I've seen the replays. And, and, uh, you know, was, I think it was George Allen from Lowell Farms that I saw post on LinkedIn that it, it's, it's ushering in a new era of, of, um, acceptance, right? And what's okay on, on traditional media channels. So, I mean, what do you think about that? Only a few years ago, I remember Cypress Hill, you know, the music band was banned forever from Saturday Night Live because they lit up on, on TV, even though they were told not to. Uh, and Cypress Hill are like well-known stoners, right? It's like it's like getting mad at Snoop Dogg for lighting up. It's just one of those things that, you know, don't have them on your show if you're, you're anti-cannabis. It's a weird stance, but it does show how much things have changed. Uh, and, and also like just generally Conan O'Brien didn't seem like a stoner, a, an avid cannabis consumer. He was just open to trying it. So he asked Seth Rogen, like, Hey, what should I do with my free time? Like his show is ending. What should I do? And, and, and Rogan suggested like, just smoke a bunch of weed. 
was like, okay, I'll, I'll try it. What, what should I smoke? And just Seth, Seth Rogen had a like ready to smoke joint in his pocket. He pulled it out and, and Corner Brian just thought it was a birthday candle at first. <laughs> and, and then he tried it exactly like Elon Musk did. Like, you know, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> that weird puff. I thought, know, it, thought it was a birthday candle. That sounds <laughs> like I did not inhale. Um, so, so no, I think it's, I think it's interesting. And I think, you know, uh, you and I talked about this and have for years, but that Super Bowl commercial that infamously did not air, you know, you wonder if maybe there's one coming in February. You wonder if, if, if now's the time to start seeing more of that. This, mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting well, from here, I think. We'll have to ask Acreage Holdings about it. <laughs> for sure. Indeed. And we, um, time for one more. I'd probably say uh, Marley One. So a psychedelics company, Silo Wellness, that's S-I-L-F-F on the OTC, launched a brand of functional and psychedelic mushrooms under the Marley One brand in partnership with the uh, Bob Marley family. Uh, they also recently, the, the, the same company also recently announced they're opening a, a, a psychedelics mushroom shop, like, you know, a smart shop uh, in Jamaica. They're making some very interesting moves. So want to keep an eye on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Thanks, man. Some, some really interesting stuff happening right now. Uh, should we bring over our guests? Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. We have Jessica Bidlingsley, CEO of a current corporation, NASDAQ. K-E-R-N, and Amy Provost, Vice President of Services of Viridian Sciences. Ladies, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having us. It's a pleasure to see your faces again. Oh, it's so good to have you. So good to see you guys here. Uh, I hear there's some news in order. Uh, Well, we're certainly delighted to announce our recent acquisition of Viridian Sciences. And of course, uh, Amy Provost joining us from the Viridian Sciences team. And we're excited to talk about what we see as the growing importance of ERP to the cannabis industry as the cannabis industry continues to to scale and uh, become more and more mainstream and adopted by mainstream consumers. Mm -hmm. Can I ask you just like as in before we get into each one of the companies, for our viewers who don't know, what is ERP? Like, wh- what is it, right? Because we often just assume, like, people know, but what does it mean? <laughs> Amy, do you want to take this one of, of, of why businesses use ERPs? Oh, Hear me. hold on one second. I'll get that for you, Amy. Yeah. Uh-oh. It actually looks, it looks like you may need there you to. Go. There you go. Um, yeah, so businesses use ERP uh, for a lot of reasons, mainly to get um, everything into a central uh, system so that they can, um, they have everything in one place. So it's going to bring your business intelligence and data, your compliance and risk management, uh, customer management, human resources, inventory finance, and supply chain all together into a single place uh, for them to do that. So. Um, they do that for mainly to, you know, it's going to save money because you're on a single system. Um, it's going to improve functionality. Your, your recording is going to be a lot better because it's all together in the same place. And uh, the great thing about ERPs is they allow you to uh, go from a startup to an enterprise. There's a lot of, of variants that you can do um, that allows that, that growth inside of a single system. You know, uh, and I'll just tack this on when it comes to ERPs, um, my background is actually in life sciences. And I find it interesting that a lot of the ERPs out there uh, are are from companies that we all know, right? Sage and Oracle and and many of these companies. So, you know, this is a software that is very, very important for the life of of any growing business and any business Mm -hmm. that wants more visibility, right? And probably efficiency. I don't want to speak for for you ladies, but efficiency across that, uh, that infrastructure. So maybe just one more quick question there, who within, I mean, you just named some of these, but who within uh, an organization is going to touch the ERP the most? What roles within that organization are gonna interact with that software? Um, I'm, there's gonna be pretty much everyone. Your finance team is gonna be in there because 
everything that happens is going to be finance related. So as, as inventory guys are doing whatever they're they're doing with the inventory movements, whatever, there's a financial transaction. So they'll be doing the inventory will be doing that. The purchasing team will be doing their thing and purchasing and receiving inventory and production orders to create new products are going to, you know, whoever's responsible for that. So pretty much um, all the key players in a company is going to be inside the ERP to do the different transactions. Very cool. Thank you. Fantastic. And now let, let, let's get into, you know, occur now. Uh, what do you do again for viewers and a little bit about the acquisition of Viridian and how it fits into the now parent company? Sure. So starting with Akerna, uh, we're the technology ecosystem for cannabis with seed to sale, track and trace, compliance, data, payments, consulting. And our, our clients are cannabis operators, the, the full supply chain uh, from the cultivators to manufacturers, distributors, retailers, all the way to, through to the consumer. Uh, so we serve the operators, we serve governments, and we serve brands. And how does the Viridian ecosystem play into this ecosystem, right? How does it supplement your, your pre-existing offering? Sure. So uh, we recently acquired Viridian Sciences. That uh, acquisition closed this quarter. Viridian's the latest addition to Akerna's portfolio of technology built for the cannabis industry. And it, what this does is this establishes Akerna as the only cannabis compliant SAP Business One offering. Uh, Earlier, MJ Platform achieved SAP certification as integrated with SAP NetWeaver in, in early February. And this accelerates our strategy of partnering with world-class accounting solutions for integrated financials and tax planning, offering those cannabis operators a solution for each stage of their evolution from startup to multi-state operator. And, and you mentioned a couple of different platforms currently. currently Akerna, it has integrations or an offering with Sage Intact, with Oracle's NetSuite, wow. and with two different SAP offerings today. And, and we have carved out where we have meaning and relevance for the, the future post-U.S. Uh, federal legalization. That, that is so cool. Can I, can I do a quick follow-up? How are you different from, from some of these other companies, right? The mainstream companies doing ERP services. Why would they integrate with you if they can do it like many of this stuff themselves, right? What, what makes Akerna special and different in that sense? That's the number one question. And that kept me awake at night five, six years ago. <laughs> I, yeah, five, six years ago, I would lay awake at night. My three in the morning panic thoughts were all around what happens if we have federal legalization overnight and what we have done over the the past half a decade is we have carved out two things that are so valuable and, and we've got our ui facing products it's very important but more importantly we've solved compliance and we have solved it across our suite of offerings we're in the process now of of connecting Viridian, having just completed that acquisition, we've solved that compliance and we have built an ecosystem uh, with over 80 integrated partners. So our value proposition to a cannabis operator to use one of our products that has all of the workflows tailored for cannabis, handles all of the compliance, which is table stakes for cannabis, provides all of the data analytics tailored to cannabis while still having access mm -hmm. to all of the enterprise class tools of, a, of an enterprise level ERP with whichever modules they want to add there with the financials and tax planning, with HR payroll, that value proposition, yes. Could you take SAP and go build every little compliance requirement into it and make it work for your operation? You could, it will cost a lot of money and take a lot of time. And then when they change the regulation, you're now in the software business and we're going to hire them to do it again. And so we're, we're solving that with scale across our clients and across our operations with our suite of offerings. That's great. And I'll, I'll, I'll piggyback on that for just one second, Jessica, if you don't mind. You mentioned this in terms of, of how you work with these companies. There's a lot of different types of cannabis companies. Right. Uh, there's there's retail, there's brands, there's cultivation, there's vertically integrated and everything. Right. Uh, what types of companies are you working with? 
we are working so we we're working with governments and we're also working with the operators for the companies the operators we're working with everyone from startup single location to the largest multi-state and multinational organizations all cannabis operators can benefit from a true erp system it's just which one do you pick in that supply chain which one is the right size for you today and then the benefit of being with a is that you can grow with us in our suite of offerings like alcohol and tobacco as i i know uh you talk about regularly cannabis is a controlled substance it requires a lot of regulatory compliance throughout mm -hmm. the plant's life cycle to ensure the products that we we are delivering are safe compliant and labeled correctly and our systems provide that regulatory check along with, through some of these integrations, supply chain cultivation management, data, taxation, HR, payroll, more. Very cool. Thank you mm -hmm. very much. Actually, yeah, you kind of set me up for one of my, my favorite questions here. You know, uh, I am bullish on Akurna. This is not a recommendation, but like one of the reasons I am bullish on Akurna, and I've said it very often in this show is, because you built a product that can scale beyond the cannabis industry, right? And it's something I asked you before, right? You you built a product that you ultimately would work for any highly regulated industry, and in the future, maybe more. Um, so I want to ask this to Amy now. How do you see uh, your product, Viridian's products, and now like the, the entirety of Akurna's product suite um, in, in the future, you know? you know, applying to other industries, do you see it as, as part of your, of your, of your plan? Uh, and if so, how, right? Or does, or does your growth, you know, finish with the, in the, in the cannabis industry itself? I know it's a tough question. Can I, can I jump in here and help just a bit? And then Amy, have you kind of piggyback onto it? There are a number of specific things to the cannabis life cycle workflow that we have adapted through our systems and that our current SAP business one offering has adapted around how that cannabis life cycle works. It is a high value dried flower that is brought to market in a, a dried flower high value form that is then often converted into other forms in that is certainly applicable to, of course, hemp and CBD, uh, both both um, uh, our Viridian product and some of our other products have hemp and CBD clients. And then it's not a far leap beyond that to see other industries whose supply chains are structured in that way and or who may have some similar compliance requirements. And Amy, I know you've been doing, doing this, doing ERP for a long time, maybe touching on some of uh, some of the scale requirements for hemp CBD that might be helpful. Yeah, so um, we've done we you know we've done um, any everything from small startups to very large uh, companies that we've had come onto our system, and it, it, we've had quite a few uh, hemp companies that's made it. So it's 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 great because if we can get them in and get them started. Uh, they can grow with with this system uh, on, on a fairly large scale. They can get very large before they outgrow um, the SAP Business One system. There, it's 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 got a very long range of how long they can use it, and um, you know we've we've put in these companies. We've been able to you know some of our companies have multiple databases because they have different sections, and we've got it where. The databases will talk to each other. So, so even at that point, they're 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 growing, um, and they're still able to maintain that and keep going. Um, the one of the great things with coming into the Akerna environment is that if they do outgrow it, or if they if if SAP Business One is just too big for them, we have options in the Akerna environment that we can move customers one way or the other to so that it's the best fit for them in the place that they're at right now. So that's been a, a huge, a huge difference for us. Very cool. Uh, I'll jump in here with a question from the chat. Um, we, we do have, and if we could spotlight that, Aaron, please. Um, when it comes to what an ERP system does, 
um, and, and potentially who you partner with or if partners are necessary to deliver certain services. We have a question here from uh, NCAL. Benzinga, who are they partnering with to provide HR payroll tax services, paychecks, ADP, Intuit, Workday? Um, does an ERP system do those sorts of things? Do you need, do you need those, those partners connected? Um, yeah, give us a little clarification there, if you don't mind. Amy, you want to take that one? Yeah, yeah. So um, SAP Business One does not have payroll involved in it, but there's a lot of easy ways uh, to get that information in. Uh, we can do an integration that will pull that in, but what um, what most people do is, is a very simple, uh, they'll copy information into an Excel file of some sort, and it's a copy-paste into, into SAP Business One as a journal entry takes maybe five minutes and, and they've got their information and they're like, they need it. Very cool. Thanks, Aaron, for spotlighting that. So you guys, we have a lot of, uh, I don't know what you would call them, Kern believers or yeah. maybe kernels. If you haven't coined that already, yeah. I'll take credit. Um, but <laughs> but Jessica, the, the future certainly seems really bright for you guys. Um, the, the, the market has, has shown us that you guys seem to be very, very strong um that that your your bandwidth is increasing that you have a lot of of interesting companies joining you it seems like it's a really really cool time to to either be interested in a kerna or to be working with a kerna so i don't know if there's any sort of forward looking things you want to say um you know safe harbor all that stuff but but uh, anything you want to tell us um the in terms of of what you expect Sure. Well, I think it's important to look at maybe some of our, our recent uh, announcements and some things that we've done in this past year. Of course, uh, just in the past year, we've made uh, another couple acquisitions. We've announced a couple new products, both uh, MJ Retail as well as MJ Analytics. So uh, retail specific app that is our uh, proof of concept connecting to our compliance, as well as uh, MJ Analytics, which is a, uh, in partnership with Domo, we, we launched a, a, a new look at our data and analytics, both a reporting engine, as well as a, a, a market data analysis tool. And so we're, we're really excited about some of those launches and coming out of beta with those and going into broader market pushes with them and, and seeing the traction that we're getting. And then over the next year, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the privilege after more than a decade of working in the cannabis industry to be in a position where I believe we are going to see a, a few catalysts. So if, if all Akerna does is match the projected growth of new markets opening for cannabis, we have an outstanding outcome, I believe. Mm -hmm. I think I'm supposed to say that after everything, the attorneys would correct me. <laughs> However, <laughs> I think we have a few really big catalysts on the horizon. The, the first being the high likelihood of safe banking passing. I know you guys talk about that often, so I don't, I don't need to belabor it for, for, for your listeners, viewers, but safe will uh, likely open up the ability for us to monetize payments. And for Akerna with our client base, that's, uh, that's massive. That's yeah. uh, if today, if just our existing retail clients today, we were to turn on payments for them, that would represent roughly an additional 20 million in annual revenue at almost 100% margin with our wow. partnership we announced with Priority Technology, which um, if you look at our revenues today would be a major and very meaningful increase. That's yeah. just one item. As you know, we've had seven new states in the past six months. And of course, uh, being from the deep south myself, I, we've got to talk about Alabama. Sweet Home Alabama and wow. the, the, yeah. the, the Southern potential with the, the South opening up. That's exciting. And, and there, there are massive markets to go after there that represent a, a ton of additional market share for, for, for Akerna and our products and services. And, and of course, we think there is a very high likelihood of seeing a meaningful end to the federal state conflict here in the next, call it 12 to 24 months. 
That's awesome. So exciting. I have a few follow-up questions, actually. But uh, first, yes. a few shout-outs for the chat. <laughs> CJB is a an Akerna bull, it seems. Hell yeah, Akerna on today. Um, Fernando Saicha is saying hi from Argentina. Gracias. Thank you for tuning in. Hola. Uh, Mitch is always here. Thank you, everyone. Whom else? We have Josh Pitts. Love Kern long-term. Jessica is an awesome CEO. Mitch says go Kern. So I don't know, some support. It's always nice to see you. <laughs> um, back to what's important. You said, about what do you see in that market? Can, can we take a little bit of a look into, into that market? No, beyond a Kern, just your general view as a, as a person who's interested in cannabis, who is in the cannabis industry, who is involved in, 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 in many policy processes. Like, what do you see there? So let's start with my personal tie to Alabama. My family has a timber farm in Alabama that goes back at least a couple hundred years and, and maybe longer. And the price of timber has been largely falling for the past couple decades. Yeah, uh, that's that's a long period of time. While most other <laughs> products, services, healthcare, groceries have been increasing. Yeah. Uh, in cost uh, over that same period of time. And to look at uh, Alabama's top agricultural crops are cotton and hay. And if we think about agriculture still being one of the largest economic drivers in the Southern United States, and we think about the average cost produced per acre from cotton and hay, I, I, I think it's $500 an acre something around that. But cannabis can produce up to $5 million an acre. This is the type of change for countries that, that for not countries, I mean, sometimes it feels like another country, but for states <laughs> that have a, a, an economy and a structure around how to do agriculture at scale and to do it well, to have the ability to participate in the economic outcome, not to mention some of the you know disproportionately affected uh, social mm -hmm. equity pieces in the South. I think I, I am I of course am, am personally really excited about it. And I mean, you know, just you mentioned cotton and hay and and timber, like just I mean, kind of old-fashioned industries in some form. No, no dis in your family at all, but I, I think you're bringing it up for a reason, right? Like you you envision a kind of future where we somehow replace cotton and hay for cannabis and hemp, right? And and curiously enough, you know, cotton production can easily be replaced with hemp, right? And, and make textiles. Timber production can be replaced with hemp, you know, for, for everything from wood and construction materials to, to paper. So it's not like a, a crazy proposal. You're not saying let's just kill these industries. You're saying let's adapt them to the 21st century. Well, and I think uh, yeah. just to piggyback on that, Jessica, what I'm hearing too is that the, the cost analysis, or, or let's say actually the cost benefit uh, of maybe switching crops or adding crops, not only to local economies down there, but definitely to those, those folks who may have been uh, disproportionately affected over the years from either the economy as a whole and prices of certain commodities sinking or uh, as, as a part of a, a social equity uh, imbalance, right? That this could bring a real boon to some of those areas. And that's personally, because I'm from Kentucky, so I can somewhat relate. And and I, I think, you know, a lot of the farmers there that I know, um, you know, it's kind of been that trying hemp and and the government and the the, the local, local municipalities not catching up with them fast enough, right? So they're, they're gonna have to stop and start, right? Much like what I hope doesn't have to happen in the, in the South here. So uh, our eyes are on it as well, for sure. Mm -hmm. And as a follow-up for Amy, same thing, but you're, you're in Utah right now, right? Um, I believe Utah legalized uh, medical in 2018. Um, I might be off, but, but some, somewhere around there. What do you see in the Utah market? And do you see it going adult use or a rec anytime soon? In, uh, so in Utah, we are, I would say that like many, many states we've seen over the years, there has been a little bit of a slower start 
to the market and and COVID hit right in the middle of Utah's yeah. pharmacies opening their doors and some of the build out and yeah. and what that has has meant uh, for for our products for our systems. But we are starting to see more and more of those pharmacies begin to open their doors and a, a very healthy market. And I think a harbinger of, of things to come. I mean, you're not going to find in many ways a more conservative state than Utah. And you, Utah wants to see a couple healthy years of medical market, but adult mm -hmm. use is not off the table in a in a discussion uh, for them. So I, I think it's I think that is Utah, Alabama, some of these some of these Virginia, some of these states. I, I think are 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 the early movers are certainly going to win some market share. They're going to win some businesses that will take uh, leadership positions. We certainly saw that in uh, some other parts of the country in cannabis, where some early movers were able to establish themselves in states with a favorable legislative regulatory framework. We'll see that as well in some of these areas, and and we'll start to see maybe some. I, I'm excited. I'm starting to see what I think builds a really healthy industry, some big, big enterprises and also some really healthy regional players yeah. that have figured out, for instance, the Rocky Mountain and the Plains region or that have figured out the Northeast. We'll have some that will have yeah. that will carve out the, the Southeast. And, and we've got, of course, uh, similarities and and the the cool factor of brands, I think, often from the West Coast. And it's wonderful to be able to play a supporting role in being able to serve any of those businesses in their life cycle and to meet them uh, to Amy's point earlier and where what are their goals? Where are they today? How do they want to grow? So, so cool. And definitely something that we're going to keep be keeping our eye on. I mean, we've we've seen even a, a ton of movement out of Connecticut. Uh, since since all of that happened, um, I, I don't know. Anybody want to make a wager on which market is next? It's insane right now. I feel like there's one every week these days, and it's exciting to see. I gotta tell you, I don't know that I would have bet on Alabama, and nobody was happier than me when it passed. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's one of those wagers that's that's tough. Where, where's your money right now, Patrick? You know, if I had to, if I had to uh, hope and guess. Right, I I would stay probably in the Midwest, um, I don't, but I don't know. Like it could go any different direction. I I would think maybe where the real momentum comes is up from the South, right? And we start to see other Southern states falling in line, especially when they see some of that agricultural bounty uh, coming their way. Who knows? Maybe we're looking at um, the Carolinas or Georgia or Tennessee or. You know, maybe the program goes a little farther in Kentucky. I'm not quite sure, but I, I, th I think Alabama is a huge catalyst. Um, and, and obviously Florida has a, its own issues, but, you know, uh, it, it could certainly be uh, something that turns the tide as well. Well, I, of course, certainly agree with you on the South. And I think we have a few more dominoes to fall in the Northeast. I mean, Rhode Island just passed mm -hmm. uh, one House of Congress uh, just this week. So... Yeah. I think with both, yeah, Connecticut, with New York and New Jersey, maybe there's still a few more dominoes uh -huh, left in, uh -huh. in that region of the country too. Amy, do you want to put any in a wager here? Oh, I don't know. I, I think I, I think there is definitely some in the Northeast that that we'll see coming through, for sure. I mean, Pennsylvania seems also pretty ripe for that in that region. My, the one I'm really looking at, I mean, Patrick mentioned Florida. For me, it's always like Florida and Texas. What's, what's going on? Because a part of me expects an unexpected surprise from them. And I have no argument to believe this. Just, you know, it's- Texas will never surprise you, my friend. Oh my Lord, exactly. no. So, so, I mean, it's it's massive markets with, with, with tax deficits, with- you know, evolving populations that are not as as, as right wing leaning or conservative as we used to think, and even Republicans down there are proving to be less conservative in many of these topics as we as we believe them. You know, to be 
Um, and and the you know the sheer size of a market like Texas is just one of those things that makes you makes you think, right? Any smart enough policymaker would push for this just because they're losing so much revenue. You're here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And internationally, what, what are you doing? I know you're always expanding. Um, from what I know, you're in Europe, you're in Colombia. Where else are you? Can can you give us a little bit of a map, you know, and and then kind of break down where you are now and where you want to be next? Uh, sure. So we're working in 15 other countries outside North America. Uh, certainly a handful in Europe and almost all the former British Commonwealth countries, uh, as well as every legal country uh, in Latin America that, that has a legal framework and, and some type of framework for licensing. We are, Javier, as you and I have discussed, we are, are bullish on Latin America. We're bullish on Latin America as a producing uh, region uh, eventually as well. And, and we've certainly put uh, a lot of uh, resources and, and, and effort toward ensuring that we have a product that is well tailored uh, to, to markets in Latin America. Indeed, and, and it's one of those products, products like seed to sale. Um, does it adapt to countries that are not so sale inclined on the retail front? For instance, Colombia, right? How does your software work in Colombia where, where you, you're not really tracking from seat to retail sale, but just like, you know, it, it ends in, in wholesale. Does anything change? Does the system change? Is it the same? Does it make sense to use it? Great question. And that's why it's all modularized. Uh, we're, we're able to say, okay, you, you need, and, and as Amy kind of walks through many of the different modules that you can use. Okay. So we only need to, you only need to work through the wholesale module here. And then everything's going right now for export. We're happy to, to handle that. We were able to, to, to meet GMP compliance, uh, at least our, our portion of it with uh, a couple of our partners and, and able to serve that in a couple different areas. So I think for, for more and more of these countries as they're looking at what does the global market look like? And I, we're a long way from buying uh, uh, Durban poison here in Colorado, say, or <laughs> name a name a strain from uh, from from some part of the world that hasn't been imported in some way, but to actually buy it from that region, we, I think we're a long way from, for instance, the way that we think about or buy coffee. My Jamaica Mountain Blue versus my Kona. I think I think we are yeah. we are some number of years away from that, and yet the foundational pieces are being laid today and cultivation in these traditional cannabis cultivating regions is starting and frameworks are starting and we're working with many of these businesses and it's really wonderful to get to be a supporting role, a supporting part of helping these businesses succeed and, and to serve uh, patients and happy consumers in different economies. That's fantastic. Yeah, so cool. Especially working with the the government side of things too. It it seems like you guys are in the mix, pretty much wherever you look. So it's it must be an exciting time for you too. I mean, you mentioned legalization. You mentioned some of these catalysts coming, like safe banking. It's I mean, you guys, we said it to to start the show. It's got to be a really cool time to either mm -hmm. be interested in Akerna or working with Akerna. So. Jessica, Amy, I mean, is there anything you want to leave our audience with? Any, any last words? I think that it's an important time in cannabis. It's an important time to be thinking that this conversation has been largely around how do you have the right tools to support your business fundamentals and your journey as you grow in cannabis. And it's the right time for businesses to begin to think about that, to think about how do we look at our data? How do we track that? How do we ensure that we have good, ERP stands for enterprise resource planning. How do, how do we plan our resources over the next few years to deliver on, on value to our patients, to our consumers, to our investors? And that's our job as well. Our job is to provide tools that deliver more value than they cost and to participate 
uh, in the growth of the industry by providing the best suite of tools and services to serve it. Oh, yeah. And, and I mean, it's one of those things that sometimes as an entrepreneur, right, as a business owner, as a CEO, uh, you often think, you know, these things don't ma matter as much or they're, they're not as fun as building your business, you know, software and ERP, compliance, accounting, legal advice. But guess what? They're fundamental to growing a business, right? And, and not doing it right from the beginning can cost you so much money down the line that it's crazy. It's just, it's just mind-blowing. I've seen some companies real, like, have to reorganize their entire ERP approach, and it was a massively costly process. And, and, and I mean both in terms of the money and time and human resources, right, and a, a cost of opportunity. So it's one of those things that 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 is not always as sexy, right? It's not always as, sex, as, as sexy to 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 do software than to grow weed, and we can call it <laughs> or whatever. But it's like, you know, when, when you're a weed CEO, suddenly you're super cool. Oh, you grow weed, right? But there's this whole other part of the industry that that makes the industry work. And I think one of the people in the chat called you the thing behind the thing. Let me find it. I, I want to shout out the the right person. Um. But I don't know. I, I, yeah, here it is. Oh, and Cal, the same person who, who asked the first question, told you the thing behind the thing. Um, so I think that's kind of a concluding thought and question for me or from me is, how do you feel about being the thing behind the thing? I love it. Our technology enables industries to prove outcomes that positively change lives every day. And, and we, we sometimes have to underscore that for our team that you, we often don't hear the direct feedback success stories, the, the thank yous, the, the lives changed from medical use that some of our, some of our clients hear directly. However, we're, we're enabling that to happen. We're providing the tools safely. that enable that to happen safely. That safely. and 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 that's, more that's and more. Kind of thing for me yeah. mostly because me as a person, as a consumer, as a patient, I really don't care how a company organizes its stuff, right? Like, yeah, you track your processes this or that way, but having C two cell tracking is mostly about the patient. Yeah, it's about the government checking. It's about government entities and patients checking. You know, and for it's a system of checks and balances for companies, but ultimately, it's for the patient for the patient to know what happened with his, her, or their product from seed to sale, which is something that, by the way, does not exist in non-listed non markets. But I think there's more and more desire from consumers to have this level of visibility and transparency into what we're putting in and on our bodies. Mm -hmm. We yeah. care. Yeah, and we want our coffee to be single source, our whiskey to be single barrel, our wine to be this many years old, right? Like, why wouldn't we want that this with our adult use cannabis and especially with our medicine? Well, and, and I hate to even bring this up, but this week we found out that there's zero tuna fish DNA in a Subway tuna fish sandwich based on the, the news out there, right? So we want to know what's <laughs> in the food we eat and the products that we use, right? It's a perfect example. So on that lovely note, I'll thank you both, Jessica Billingsley, Amy Provost, you kernels in the chat. We appreciate you being here. Uh, K-E-R-N, again, is the ticker. This is a company you definitely want to pay attention to. Thank you. Thanks, you guys. Thank you. Thanks you for having us. It. Great to see you. Take care. Oh, so cool. So, so cool. I always so yeah. cool. It's I love never, her. Ever boring. I well, mean, I well, if you're a nerd, if you're an investment nerd, if you're a cannabis nerd, fortunately, people watching us are, you know, very much into investing into cannabis, into uh, the industry, into its growth, into understanding it. So, well, here's, here's the other thing. It's it's interesting. You never think of software as sexy, right? And you, you said it a second ago, but the like an ERP, a solution like this that touches almost every aspect of a business. And especially, look, listen to those names, Microsoft, SAP, Oracle, Sage, like so many giant companies out there doing this. You, you can guess where, where uh, KERN is going in the next year, two years, five years, 10 years, right? There's a lot of opportunity on the table there. Um, and again, no recommendation here, 
but it, I personally am very bullish on the company. I think it's really, really interesting. Definitely. We have time for maybe like one minute of news. Real quick, one quick shout out to Australis Capital, which mm-hmm. changed its name to Audacious Brands. Uh, we'll Great have name. Terry Booth next Tuesday on Cannabis Insider at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 1.30 p.m. Pacific. Again, next Tuesday, Terry Booth from now Austra- Audacious Brands, previously Australia's Capital, trading on the OTC under the ticker AUSAF. He'll be discussing, of course, the name change, the corporate restructuring, and many, many, many other issues. So make sure to tune in. Yes. So I think we have uh, one more guest. Yes, we do. And if, if we can, let's go ahead and bring him over. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. Hey, Patrick. Good evening. And hey, Javier. Good evening as well. How are things? Or good afternoon, actually, for you guys. It's it's evening for me here. Yeah. So where are you? And this is, you guys, Anthony Tennyson, CEO of Awaken Life Sciences, newly listed on the, the NEO Exchange, AWKN. But Anthony, where are you today? Uh, I'm in uh, I'm in Dublin, in Ireland. I'm in my home office in Dublin, in Ireland. Wow! It's an absolute wow. pleasure to get to talk to you guys, uh, and a privilege to speak to your audience this evening. Or oh this evening. man, I'm jealous. Uh, Ireland's a place that I've I've not visited yet, but have been longing to. So maybe maybe I'll come see you soon. Uh, well, absolutely, and uh, hopefully uh, the pubs will be open when you get here. I'll I wouldn't come if they weren't. So they, they say they say there's a danger when you visit Ireland to might get hooked. Fortunately, Awaken Life Sciences is all about treating addiction. So <laughs> <laughs> look at that segue. I like what you did there. I see what you and did. Tell there. us a little bit about Awaken Life Sciences. Hey, so 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 th- thanks, guys, and great to get the opportunity to to introduce my company to uh, or our, the company to to your audience. So, um, Awaken Life Sciences, we do two things. It's it's really simple. What we do is we we develop and we deliver. We develop psychedelic therapies and psychedelic drugs, and we deliver those therapies and drugs in our in chain in a chain of clinics that we own and operate across the UK and the EU to better treat addiction. And the reason that we're focusing on addiction is that it's one of the biggest single unmet medical needs of modern times. Mm. Depending on what number you look at, it affects between 15 and 20% of the population in the UK, the EU, the US, and Canada. And those are those are individuals, those are their families, and those are their communities. What, uh, what, what was that percentage? What was the percentage again? Between 15 and 20%. That's huge. That is insanely huge. 5% suffer from alcohol use disorder, 15% to 20% with tobacco addiction, about 4% with prescription prescription drug addiction, and about 2.5% with behavioral addictions, with gambling addiction being the main one. So, you know, there's there's a bit of doubling up because some people may have multiple multiple addictions. So it's about between 15 and 20% of the adult population at any one time. And that's, that's a... Big issue to, yeah. to, to deal Actually, with. Can I ask you something? And this is more like philosophical or, you know, it's more conjectural. But why do you think it's such an unmet need? Do you feel like society still deems an addict as someone who is not suffering from a health condition, but someone who inflicts pain on themselves? And I tell you this, like, from, from experience, right? Like, hearing again and again, people just saying, oh, yeah, he's an addict. That's on him, Right. Like, is does that play into it, or like, why do you think we're, you know, the medical community has, hasn't really addressed addiction as we should? Um, so, look, I, I can't speak for 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 kind of cult, cultural context or how other people would interpret things, but you know, I, I think it's safe to say that um, a lot of most people don't choose to be addicts, right? Most people don't choose to have a mental health issue. Um, and 70% of, of addictions and mental health issues have trauma as a common contributing factor. And that trauma is not a choice, right? That trauma happens to people and is inflicted on people. Um, and the, the sort of the, the, the result of that trauma, be it early childhood trauma, adolescent trauma, or, or adult, adult trauma, manifests itself in, in chronic mental health issues and in addiction issues. And the industries that are meant to be helping people recover and heal and cure from mental health and from addictions are just simply not performing for all people in the way that they should. 
And we and the psychedelics industry really, really believe that there is significant potential for psychedelic medicines, psychedelic drugs and therapies to provide significantly better outcomes for patients, for their for individuals, their families, and therefore their communities. Well, and so, you know, piggybacking off of that, it's always interesting to me, and maybe it's because we've been doing a lot more in sort of the, the biotech and, and healthcare spaces lately here at Benzinga, but um, can you briefly tell us where you guys are currently, what the R&D roadmap is, um, you know, and, and, and maybe if, if, if you want to go ahead and describe the, the clinical approach and, and what the setup looks like there. I know that there's so much that goes into planning, uh, basically mm-hmm. being a, a biotech or pharmaceutical company that treats these, these issues with this particular therapeutic, right? Um, so, so I don't know if there's anything you want to say about that or, or, yeah. I guess just saying yes is probably not the best answer in, in an interview <laughs> like this. <laughs> um, That's fair. That's fair. Um, but yeah, look, we, we've got a lot of activity and all of it is focused on providing hope uh, for people for whom the current treatment paradigm just isn't working, right? Um, mm-hmm. But on our development side, we've got three core strategic work streams, long-term, medium-term, and near-term. So near-term, we're looking to commercialize and bring forward ketamine-assisted psychotherapy for alcohol use disorder. Uh, for mm-hmm. your audience that aren't familiar with it, uh, ketamine is a Schedule two or a Schedule three compound, so we can deliver it immediately in a clinical environment. Uh, MDMA, it's currently a Schedule one compound, so we've got, we and other companies have got to run that through the full clinical trial process to get to a pivotal trial and get approval. So we're in a we're in a medium stage clinical trial process in the UK for MDMA assisted psychotherapy for alcohol use disorder. But long term, our ultimate goal is to develop our own medicines um, to treat a range of indications where the outcomes and results for, for the individuals are, are pretty poor. So that's alcohol addiction, opioid addiction, gambling addiction, or sorry, behavioral addictions, and, and, and tobacco addiction. So those are kind of the, the three work streams. Um, we've acquired a series of assets across each of these work streams, which sort of has accelerated us into a fairly advanced stage for quite a young company. We've acquired assets from a ketamine phase 2A and B combined ketamine trial. And oh, we've wow. got a team with that, you know, Professor Celia Morgan, one of the best people, smartest people you will ever meet, world leader in ketamine research. She's working for us on a contract basis in addition to working in the University of Exeter. And we've got the IP from her trial. We've also brought in the team that led the world's only trial for MDMA, Assisted Psychotherapy for Alcohol Use Disorder, and that's Dr. Ben Sessa, who is one of the leading lights in the world in the, med- in the psychedelic space. And then lastly, we, we've acquired a whole load of assets from Professor David Nutt's consulting company. And actually no just today, we've appointed Professor David Nutt as the Chief Research Ooh. Officer of Awaken Life wow. Science. Wow, wow. Oh, no, we, we have to tell this. I mean, Nadam Boniman, our psychedelics writer, needs to know this right away. I mean, if yeah, you don't know who, who Professor he, Nutt is, he's got the biggest brain I've ever. I've ever, like he's he's a wonderfully nice person, and he's it's brilliant. not nice to say his head is large, Anthony. No, no, Come his on. brain is large. His brain is large. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if you remember that. You know, if you guys watched Margin Call, you know the scene where Jeremy Irons is having something explained to him. And he goes, yeah. speaks to me as you would to a child or an enthusiastic golden retriever. It's like how I feel when David talks to me. I'm like drinking from the fire hose. But um, yeah, he's working that. for us as, as our chief research officer now. Um, and he's one of, you know, he's one of the authorities in the world yeah. on psychedelics and addiction, and particularly alcohol addiction, opioid addiction, and gambling addiction. And it's just an absolute pleasure and honor to have him on our team. Oh, yeah. He's an eminence of neuropharmacology in general. Mm-hmm. It's just when he's one of those guys, you know, it's, 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 he's the kind of guy who writes the books universities teach, right? Four, four, exactly. 400 research papers on oh my God. alone. Um, so yeah, he's, you know, pretty, pretty big deal. My eyes just crossed when you said that. Are they all behind you on those shelves in those binders? <laughs> no, they're, they're the bills. That's the, oh, the bills for the family. Got it. Got <laughs> it. Like the paid, paid or unpaid bills. <laughs> <laughs> let, let me ask you for real. You know, we're talking, you know, you, you just incorporated uh, Professor Nutt and, and you're, you're, you know, currently administering ketamine treatments. You're looking into MDMA. 
Uh, and all of this sounds super serious, but on the other, you know, on the on the flip side, most people think of, of ketamine as a party drug and MDMA even more so, right? And and those who don't think of ketamine as a party drug go like, okay, like it's something for horses, right? But like, how how does it evolve to being an actual therapeutic substance today, right? Yes. And, and you know, many of us know, but many others don't. It's 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 one of those things that it's hard to comprehend the same way that marijuana one day was the devil's lettuce and the next day it was medicine, right? Like, how does this happen? Well, so so let's take ketamine first, right? Ketamine is a medicine, first and foremost. Um, I'm not sure over the, the your side of the water, but over our, over here in UK, Ireland, it's actually one of the most commonly prescribed uh, yeah. painkillers in A&E departments. If someone presents and they're conscious but unresponsive and you don't know what's wrong with them, they're in pain, uh, A&E doctors will, will, will administer ketamine. It, it's safe um, and, you know, it's safe is, is the best all I, I can describe it. So it's, it is definitely a medicine. It's a Schedule two medicine over here um, or in the UK. It's actually Schedule three here in Ireland. Um, and so, but what's great about ketamine for our purposes is in a, an appropriate dose, um, it gets to a point of brain elasticity. Um, but for from a psychotherapy perspective, for certain specific people suffering from trauma, it, it enables people to lay down new memories. It enables people to overwrite traumatic memories and almost like a snow globe. It enables you to shake the snow globe and just start afresh, which is really good for recovering from recovery, for from therapy, from trauma, yeah. which is relevant for addiction, as I mentioned. MDMA actually used to be called, instead of you know, street name ecstasy, it used to be called empathy. And that's what it is. It's brilliant. Really? It I did does, not know that. I did not know that either. And I'm 31. Like, I'm, I'm supposed to know that. Like, I, this, I was, this, was, this was, a, this was a long time ago. I think TVs were black and white back then. Um, but it does three things at the same time. It switches off the fight or flight mechanism. It boosts the empathy mechanism. And it releases oxytocin. So oxytocin is the wonder, wonder compound that's released as a mother breastfeeds her child and forms the bond between the child uh, between the mother and the child. The single biggest contributing factor to the success of psychotherapy is the bond between the therapist and the client. So if you can accelerate that, you increase the probability of success. It switches off the fight or flight mechanism. And if you're suffering from trauma, as many people who are suffering from addiction are, it stops you walking out the door if someone wants to talk to you about your trauma. And then it boosts the empathy mechanism. So it helps you weirdly be reflective upon the trauma that you've experienced and helps in the recovery. Wow. So we think they're we think they're really, really helpful supports to psychotherapy in addressing addiction and they are absolutely medicines in the same way that cannabis is a medicine these are medicines and it's really it's over to the regulators it's over to us as an industry the media regulators and politicians to make these treatments available as part of the public health care system and as part of the insurance markets because people need help and the current solutions just are not good enough yeah, so and I'm sorry, we're so tight on time now, okay. and we're keeping we're keeping you a little over. Yeah, I hope I you don't mind. Clear and fast, but, though. Like you but, just explained two things in two minutes, like complex issues. No, no, that was I thought it was very impressive, and I yeah. I'm gonna look up this empathy thing because man, that that is really cool. But Anthony, tell me this, man, when it comes to the footprint for you guys, I mean, you mentioned clinics. Uh, give the investors watching an idea of where you are. Yeah, are, are these uh, physical spots that you're going to own? Do you have them already? Are you acquiring them? Give us a sense of what that footprint's going to look like. Uh, absolutely. So uh, ultimate goal is to have 20 clinics across the UK and the EU by the end of 2024. Roadmap is to, our goal is to have three clinics in the UK this year. We're nearly there with our first clinic, which is going to be in Bristol, which is on the west coast of England. Second clinic is in London. We've signed the lease uh, today. So we've got a site, we've got the builders coming in, in short order. And next, we're going to go up slightly up north in England in Manchester. And we're on the short, sort of the short list for where we're going to go from Manchester. That'll get us through to the end of this year. Next year, five more clinics in the UK, second clinic in London, one in Birmingham, some other locations. And then we come to my hometown, Dublin, uh, for the first one outside the UK. And then we we'll go to continental Europe from 2023 onwards, Scandinavia, Benelux, France, Spain, uh, Germany, and Eastern Europe, and that, wow. that's the roadmap. So we're 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 nearly there with our first clinic, which is going to be in Bristol. Um, we'll have that open in September, October, London, and Man sorry, London in October, November, and Manchester, November, December. 
Very cool, man. Very cool. Well, any, any final words you want to leave our audience with here, Anthony? I, I feel like we could talk this all day, but um, I don't know if there's any other, other show on after us. So yeah, anything <laughs> you want to leave us with? Um, no, so look, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you. We're trading now on the NEO exchange under AWKN. Um, be great to get, get your, your, your audience, your listeners, your, your viewers in to support our stock, to help us on our journey. Uh, our journey is only just starting, um, and we're really here, our purpose is to help the individuals, their families and their communities who are suffering from addiction and who just aren't being helped in the way they should be helped and need to be helped. Very cool, man. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm sure we'll have you back on. I'm sure we'll be writing about you and hearing more from you soon. So thanks for thanks for being here. And you guys in the chat, remember AWKN, and we're all going to go hang out at uh, Anthony's house in Dublin and help him with those binders because uh-huh. they... They look menacing. <laughs> Good work. Listen, guys, it was an absolute pleasure. Thank, thank you very much. I got to go and help with the kids now. So, All right, brother. Take, take care. care. Have a good evening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Javi, what a great show today, man. This was Another fun. fun show. Yeah. Never, 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 ever, ever boring. I mean, if you think it's boring, tell us in the chat. If you like us, tell us in the chat. Drop yeah. a one if you find it fun. Well, no, if you like it, if you like it, hit the like button, subscribe, and tell us who you want on next, right? Because that, that's the fun part. You guys wanted Jessica. We got you, Jessica. Um, and, and there's so many other really cool stocks in, in this space, right? Um, the other thing I was going to say earlier, Javi, that I didn't get to is you look at the importance of a company like Akerna and the ERP solution that they provide. What, what are some of the best stocks in the industry right now? You look at Grogen. There's another one that I really like, right? You see what they're doing. Everybody need, needs needs supplies. Yeah. Every, all these growers need to have the equipment they need to grow. Grogen yeah. is a necessity, right? Yeah. All of these companies will need yeah. a software solution to do what they 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 need and to make totally. them more efficient. A current is a necessity. Totally agreed. Yeah, some call it thing behind thing. Other people call it picks and shovels. Right. Call it whatever you want. That is it. It's legally, it's federally legal. It's scalable on a global scale. Again, it's easy to enter new markets, relatively easy. It's never easy, easy, but it's relatively easy. Uh, It's many of them are businesses that can go beyond the cannabis industry. So as Patrick mentions, picks and shovels. Yeah, absolutely. Javi, it's always a pleasure, man. It's good to be back with you. Uh, I, you know, for my first cannabis hour back from Elliot's wedding and, and my aging, you know, <laughs> uh, I'll say that it's, it's a good one, man. So thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. I mean, I didn't have you. This is your show. Oh no, <laughs> no, this is, no, this is the Javier show. I just show up it's when he tells me to be show. here. So <laughs> thanks again, you guys, Aaron, take it away, brother. Javi, I'll see you After later, man. Hour with Ryan up next. All right. Mama is treating me to breakfast. Yep, let me see your phone. Huh? Look here, I download this McDonald's app because when you buy any bagel sandwich like the steak, egg, and cheese bagel, you get one free. Wait, you just bought that on my phone. That's right. Now that you got McDonald's money, you could treat Mama. <laughs> okay, Ma, you got it. Valid for product of equal or lesser value. Valid through 10 22 at participating McDonald's. Valid one time per day. App download and registration required. Karen is the proven expert in addiction treatment. A recent independent study showed that 94% of Karen patients were still in recovery 90 days post-treatment. Visit CARON.org slash real. Karen, real results, real care, real about recovery.